Welcome to Aussie Ambitions Podcast, where we meet with everyday Aussies that are pushing ahead with their goals and ambitions in life. Join your host, Scott Robert Springer, to explore the future of entrepreneurship, work-life balance, and reaching beyond your comfort zone. So stay tuned for some tips on living life the Aussie way. All right. Welcome to the Aussie Ambitions Podcast. I'm very excited. We've got guests here today on it. It's going to help us with a topic I'm very interested to chat about, which is marijuana and cannabis in Australia. Maybe not a lot known about this, but we've got two people that are pursuing things and we're here to hear from them today. So I'll just welcome them. Welcome to Kate and Molly Richardson. All right. So we've got Kate in blue and she's the mom and we've got Molly in white and she is the daughter. So I'll turn it over to you guys. Introduce yourselves. Um, I'll say, Molly, tell us a bit about yourself. Hi, I'm, I'm Molly. Um, thanks, Scott, for having us once again. Um, I'm just the content creator on the page that we've just started to do with medicinal cannabis in Australia. Um, I get all information from scholarly backed articles and I provide information about our physiology and how cannabis interacts with that. So the layman can understand it and so can the science person as well. So I try and give it a broad range so everyone can find out the right information that they need to see. All right. And Kate? Tell Hi, us. I'm mum. Thanks for having us, Scott. I'm Molly's mum. We are creating a page at the moment to just to bring the stigma away from marijuana and cannabis, whatever you want to call it. Molly does all the writing and she's the clever one. I'm not saying that I'm not clever, but I just want to get it over so that the older generation can understand because obviously I'm the older one. So this is a super unique situation. I think people are going to feel pretty privileged to sit in on this. So mm-hmm. it's a bit of a chat. Um, we do have the podcast, so it's people, you know, listening on their drive to work. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be a certain uh, time people are going to digest this. Uh, mm-hmm. We also have the video format, so on YouTube and other video channels. So it gives people a chance to just get real and hear from you straight. Mm-hmm. Um, what I like about what you said is it's an information-based thing you've got going mm-hmm. on. Maybe that just means awareness and just kind mm-hmm. of talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just to paint the picture, people probably don't know a lot about Australia to begin with, mm-hmm. let alone you know, the complexities of mm-hmm. uh, cannabis, right? Mm-hmm. So is cam- cannabis like a simple thing or is it fairly complex in Australia? I'll give that to you guys. I'd say it's a very complex thing in Australia at the moment. We're moving into more of an age where it is becoming more accessible for the everyday person to be able to think that they can go and get it, access to medicinal cannabis. But since 2016, when we legalised it, there has still been like quite a lot of loopholes to go through and the expense of it has been quite high. The waiting lists are high and the waiting times are high to get access to like medicinal cannabis. And that's the problem that we face a lot here because a lot of people go to the black market instead of going to the doctors and get it clinically because it's cheaper or easier to access on the black market. So that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to get people to streamline into the right place so they don't get all of these things like bad chemicals put in it and it's done in a clinical environment when you go to the doctors because people think they can't get it from the doctors because they're going to get denied it, they end up going to the black market. So we want to make it ease of access for everybody. So it's not just available for one person who's got enough money or who's got a terminal illness, it's accessible for everybody. Okay. So just throwing it back there, there'd be some perceptions and I think you're probably well aware of uh, what happens elsewhere in the world, Mm. but is there a negative stigma with being associated with this in Australia? Very much so. Okay. Maybe not in Australia, I just think as a whole, because like I said, I'm the older one, I'm 51 years old. Just give an example, my father thought if you had any form of cannabis or wacky backy as he called it, that you'd then go on to using heroin. So we need to change the stigma around it. It's just a plant 
and we need to change and see all the benefits that this plant also brings. Yes, it gets you high, but yes, there's also different parts of the plant that can stop epilepsy. I'd be here for weeks and months if I said all the goodness this plant does. So really, it's just about educating the people. Okay. There's, there's going to be a lot of directions we can take with this, um, and maybe it's part one and we go into yeah. depth a little bit later. But um, so if we just start with the plant mm. and, and maybe we can look at some of the science and things, but... Mm. So if we consider that, uh, and then the term is cannabis in a bit more of a global mm -hmm. term, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So cannabis. Clinically correct. Clinically cannabis, correct? Yeah. Okay. So can cannabis would be the, the plant. It's the scientific name, cannabis sativa. Okay. And are there many different types of cannabis just to begin with? Um, well, we do have obviously two main strains that we base our knowledge on is sativa and indica. But from my heavy amounts of research, I've realized that sometimes the strain name is not exactly how you how it interacts with your body. So we have things on cannabis called terpenes, which are the what gives it the smell. So what gives it your fruity, skunky smell or your piney smell or your peppery smell. They more interact with your physiology just than the strain name. So with your indica and your sativa, that is definitely an indicator by eye to tell how a different plant grows, their cousins. But when you have terpenes, it interacts with your body different, so you get a different bodily reaction from it, whereas you don't necessarily get too much of a different bodily reaction from indica and sativa. They're just names that were made up in the 1700s. Okay. So with, when we're moving forward into learning more about cannabis, we'll learn more about the different strains and the science behind all of them. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the, the opportunity that you see is to educate people and just uh, keep them informed with either... Um, the benefits of it, or is it more of a lifestyle thing? Like, what's the main mission there? Um, well, for me, like mum said before, it is to do with the stigma that's been surrounded by it. We've had almost a century's worth of misinformation spread at us from being it being called devil's lettuce, from saying that black men would rape you if you smoked it. Like, there's been a lot of misinformation around this plant. So, for me, it's more about just making the wrongs right. And just showing people that that's not what happens and that's not what goes on. And even down to in Australia, we had a campaign just recently called The Stoner Sloth. And it was depicting that people were always asleep or always tired or always. But then there is a lot of people who are very functioning people who smoke cannabis in their everyday life. A lot of people who still work out, keep a job down, run a business. Like the stigma against it is like the the potato, catch potato. Mm. You don't think that people can run a functional everyday life but still have cannabis in their life as well. So that's what we kind of want to get rid of as well, yeah. Okay. Especially being a woman as well because it's like a more of a man's thing. Like when you're a girl, it's like not ladylike to do that sort of thing as well. So it's kind of like you kind of just want to make it normalised for every gender, every generation, every person, you know? Yeah. Okay. This would be a question for um, for Kate then. Obviously, uh you know, I'm not sure where this concept and who jumped onto this first. Um, sounds like Molly's well across the science of and and that is that something. Was that the order of things where she was had an interest and then you supported her no. in this or you've no okay, not at tell all. us tell from us about when that. Molly was a baby from when Molly was born she had really really bad skin she had really terrible eczema. So me as a mum, the internet wasn't out. There was no social media. I used to have to sit down the library and read books on how to get her skin better. So I knew there was something else out there. So when she was young, we went to a Chinese medicine man. And when we moved to Australia, there was nothing. This was 16 years ago. There was nothing I could help Molly with her skin. We had to go to a normal GP. She got put on steroids. She got put 
she put on 40 kilos in weight. We had a really bad experience. Then we started reading about alternative medicine and there was a thing called hemp oil, which I actually knew nothing about. Started researching the benefits and couldn't believe that one plant could have so many benefits. You can even build a house from it. You can build a house from hemp and you don't get sick. Mm. It's called sick house syndrome. So that's where my journey started because we was I was just so interested in getting her skin better and I didn't know where to go because she was young. It was in the 90s, didn't have the internet. And then when we've come to the Gold Coast, we've been to Nimvin, we've bought hemp oil. And I actually not- brought some hemp oil back for me. Mum actually come on holiday to Nimvin and brought some hemp oil back for me to Perth. And I we didn't even know about it before and I started using it on my skin. I mean, I changed my diet as well, but that was one of the main contributing factors to my skin getting better. And mum brought back some from Nimbin and like the quality of it, the smell of it, you could smell the hemp. And my skin, the cracks, like the big cracks in it would just be healed. Like and I just couldn't deny what was happening. Like I, it was happening right in front of my face. And mum had introduced me to this hemp oil and I just had to start researching more about it. And once you research more about it and you learn more about it, it's like I couldn't not tell people that. Like mm. especially people who are suffering like me with eczema, that there was a way to use something in a plant form, not from the doctors where I've had so many bad experiences. It's more a natural alternative, like that's interesting. Yeah. So, and I think there'd be a lot of different types of people with different ailments or con- conditions where there's maybe there's something that's considered alternative, but mm-hmm. it works. Yeah, exactly. And it works for them, mm. but then they might get some resistance with um, getting uh, get, getting supply of it. Like it's hard to find. Mm. It's hard to find. Was it hard to find in that sense? Like, or or that and and was it regulated? Like, was it a bad thing to be? Walking around with hemp oil or? Yeah, well, I have a funny story because um, before 2016, Australia was the only country in the world where you wasn't legally allowed to eat hemp seeds. So when I used to buy my hemp seeds, they used to have to sell it as a different product to being consumed because hemp seeds are really beneficial for you to be able to eat them every day. Like they're really good, high in omega-3s, high in fatty acids. But we never, it used to be illegal to eat them, even though they don't, they're no psychoactive effect at all. Um, so they used to have to sell me the hemp seeds and pretend that we were making face masks from it instead of consuming it because it was actually illegal. So there has been, we couldn't get hemp oil, hemp seed for a very long time. There was only one shop that done it for a very, very long time before it got legalized. And now there's quite a few options on the market. Mm. But when we first started looking into it, it was very, very like, yeah, there wasn't a lot on the market. Okay. Mm. Uh, so look, and now we're, you know, 2021, um, like you said, there's 2016, there was like a legality. Yeah, 2016, um, November. Is it the type of thing, like I know there's other countries, I'm, I'm aware of what's happened in Canada a few years back, New Zealand had a referendum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So countries are slowly, I've been, have you been to Amsterdam, by the way? Yes. Okay, yes, so there'd be, um, <laughs> how long did you stay? <laughs> I was traveling Europe for about four months. Yeah, so I had a little bit of a stint in Amsterdam. <laughs> all, right, all right, and yourself? No, I've not been to Amsterdam. Okay, have you traveled overseas? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. So the, it's just the, it's the, yeah, there's politics, there's sort of liberty and w- what you could do with your own body, mm-hmm. lots of things there. But um, where do you think we are now? Or is it is it headed in the right direction? Or you feel like there's still this brick wall of people just uh, shutting it down for it being some something that's bad for you? I just feel like we need to get it out to the older generation, but I'm not quite sure how to because they don't use Instagram and they might go on Facebook because older people use Facebook more than Instagram because a lot of the doctors now are on Instagram. But there's so much misinformation on Instagram with 
marijuana, cannabis, whatever you want to call it. There's just because it's a worldwide thing, it's very hard to get across in Australia because, like you know, from Canada it's legal in the USA. It's, legal in so many states and then you come here and there's so much misinformation so that's why for a few weeks we've stopped posting on Instagram because it's just too much information for people to have isn't it Mm -hmm. yeah but in regard to like um, legalities and changing the way in Australia and how we're moving forward from 2016 it has been a huge step like from when 2016 started there was no access you had to be terminally ill pretty much to get it like it wasn't there wasn't high access to it but in the last year since 2019 2020 I think we've jumped in giving prescriptions for CBD and THC like 200% or something like that it's incredible like um in June 2020, um, Queensland just put 54 ailments that you can get medicinal cannabis for. So there is movement in the industry and it's going to take time. Like even in Canada, we had, and America, we had the 1990s with the movement, but we didn't really see huge movement till the 2010s. So you have to wait like a couple of decades. Like it was only legalized properly here in 2016. So maybe we think 2026, we're going to be maybe at a dispensary stage, hopefully. The first dispensary just got opened in Australia last week. So so, okay. Yeah. That's I think that's where I was headed. Thank yeah. you for sharing that because mm. to be honest, I wasn't aware that it was even legal here. Yeah. Um you hear about it again, where do you get your information from? It's probably the yeah, key thing. Exactly. And yeah. if you're plugged into traditional channels or even social media, they can shadow ban you. Yeah. They can block you. Are you experiencing trying to get the message out, but do you find like you're struggling with messaging? Um, yeah, well, with Instagram and Facebook, we are not allowed to run any ads. We've been completely blocked on running any advertisements or anything like that. Um, we got shadow banned for 14 days because I hashtagged hemp. But, and I know multiple businesses that we like communicate with our community, they have been knocked down from hashtagging that sort of thing. So there is still in the mainstream media, in their eyes, there is still a stigma against it. And that's sort of, even the UN has declassified it now. It used to be the same scheduled drug as heroin, but the UN in 2020 declassified it. So it's declassified by the UN and hopefully every country now listens to the UN and they declassify it too, but we can only hope. So, and the mainstream media from the UN's declassification, hopefully they can take us away from being that shadow ban because we're not trying to promote drug taking, we're trying to promote healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like what you're saying about, uh, you know, the specific experience that you had about, you know, the benefits had for you, either it just worked or it was, a, it worked over a period of time. Mm. So you had to give it a bit of chance. Was it sort of like instant or instant that, or you had to give it a bit of time because you were almost desperate at that point. You would have tried a lot of things. Mm. So was, it was instant. Okay. Mm. And my other son, I've got a 13 year old son who's my Australian. He's got trouble with his eyes and we actually get droplets and put hemp oil in his eyes because people used to say to him, he used to get so upset. Are you stoned? Because he's got such red eyes. We started putting the hemp oil in his eyes. He's now. Like he's got the most amazing eyes you can ever imagine. Quite ironic, actually. Yeah, it's very ironic. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. A good point. Um, Yeah, look. So, and that's where the, you know, the whether it's a symptom or it's it's people are almost desperate for something that Mm -hmm. hasn't worked. Um, Meanwhile, you could take some pretty harsh drugs. Harsh drugs in other scenarios, and of course, there's lots of different industries involved with that. So, is there an industry here? Like, is, is there are there people that are growing? you know, farms of this stuff? And is that 
a bit of an ecosystem maybe do you know about that yeah there's a couple of farms we have two in brisbane we have canatrek and we have thc global in brisbane they grow medical marijuana here in queensland um melbourne victoria has been a huge hub for the growth of it and that's where the first dispensary actually just opened it's called astrid i'll give them a bit of a plug because i'm so proud of them um but yeah so we've got quite a few growing facilities in australia you were able to um, apply to be a grower as of 2016. So when 2016 here, all of the companies even moved over from America and Canada and started setting up in Australia as well. They have sponsors from Australia who help them set up here. Mm. So we have growing facilities here. Yes, we do. And we manufacture medicine. We had to get a whole heap imported from Canada at the start because we didn't have our own growing facilities, but now we can do our own supply. So uh, I'm yeah. pretty fascinated in the actual, um, I guess it's the... Uh, uh, what is it? The, the cultivation of it. So mm -hmm. it's basically t nurturing plants, and there's yeah. stages of it. And it's yeah. uh, some people take it. I mean, it's like almost art or yeah, caring is, yeah. for a live, you know, a live plant. Mm. And there's lots of stages. So are you you get drawn into that where you would consider growing it yourself, or um, again, is that even legal? We don't want to grow? get arrested. Is, it, is that even legal? <laughs> you cannot grow. Well, you you can grow one plant yourself, and you're allowed to grow one plant as far as. I'm concerned. Not that we do that. We mm. don't. We don't do that. We're just advocating the plant, so yep. we're not quite sure. What. But with the um, application, yes, that was our original idea in 2016. That was our idea. We wanted to have our own growing facility. That was our original dream. But um, I spoke to a couple of people on the phone, and at the time, it was very a lot of um, barriers to overcome because of the Office of Drug Control. So they have like obviously, I don't have a criminal record or anything like that, but they needed a million dollars off of us. So it was we had five hundred thousand. We didn't have a million, so we didn't do it just then. But it still is a long-term goal for us. In like in time, we would like to have a medicinal marijuana growing facility. Yes, that's interesting. Yep. That money. I mean, I can imagine there's barriers in place. Mm. I was yeah. thought I thought it might have been regulate regulation or rolling in accept fifty applications mm. per year, or mm. there's some kind of way of controlling it. Yeah. Um, but if it's a money thing, um, have you looked at or have you seen anybody do any kind of successful crowd crowdfunding in this space? No, not no. yet. You no, know, I haven't seen anyone yet. Uh, it's no, maybe more. Yeah. I haven't seen that in general in Australia. I, obviously, overseas. Mm. The websites were built there, so people jumped onto Kickstarter yeah. and, you know. Because it's not so much crowdfunding. A lot of here they um, release, like, IPOs and stuff like that. So before they get on the share market, like, Burley Heads Cannabis released an IPO, so you could invest in them. But it's more investing in them rather than, like, crowdfunding for them. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yes. So you're saying that there is a publicly traded uh, marijuana-based There is quite a few, company? yes. Yep. In Australia? Yeah, in Australia. Okay, yep. wonderful. Well, that's, again, for people listening in uh, or on YouTube, they want to jump on and look into deeper. I think that's where we're talking about is access to information mm -hmm. and just how available is it? Because yeah. sometimes searching through things, the algorithm will take yeah. you down a different direction. Exactly. Um, with the plant, it's going back to the plant, you've got, I'm not an expert in it. I know, I know what to recognize it. <laughs> But uh, you've got hemp, and then you've got seeds, and you've got the, um, uh, I guess maybe take me through it, but uh, you've got the medicinal components, you've got oils and mm -hmm. so on. Um, is there one, one thing specifically that you'll back? Is it the oils or creams? Um, well, that's what we're trying to, we're trying to advocate the whole plant. Like that's why it's freeing the leaf because it's the whole plant. It's the whole leaf. So we've got two plants. We've got hemp and we've got cannabis. They do completely different things as well. We've got he um, hemp is non-psychoactive. So it's 0.3% THC most of the time. So you can't really do anything to your brain function or anything like that. And that's more used for like agricultural clothing, food, hay, houses, all the agricultural things. And then you've got your cannabis, which is more medicinal. So there's two different branches that you can go down. Mm -hmm. From a, like a utility and using 
something like this or somebody that doesn't use it, they think, oh, well, uh, how would I fit that into my life? Not that they need to, but is there sort of like a direct replacement? So in the case where you you wanted some something to heal and, and help you with a condition, that worked and you couldn't find anything else. But is there um, like a decision to make saying, uh, I'm going to use hemp or I'm going to use another substance? Like, is there sort of, is it so unique that it, that it stands alone or like you talked about um, the seeds, yeah, so, seeds for nutrition? Um, we've like hemp and cannabis, it's, it interacts with your body in a different way to any other medication just because we have a thing called an endocrine system. And I don't know if anyone will know about that, but that's how your mm -hmm. hormones distribute around your body so if you've got like dopamine serotonin that's your brain neurology but you've got testosterone you've got estrogen that's your endocrine that will take it all around your body as of 1992 we only just found out we have an endocannabinoid system so the way that the plant works is it interacts with this system inside of your body and it keeps your body in homeostasis so it's like just a balanced energy so you can be endocannabinoid deficient and most diseases come from being endocannabinoid deficient the main endocannabinoids are THC and CBD, which can only really be found in cannabis. And they're the only ones. So it's like a key and a lock. So for the receptor, so you have a receptor for THC, you have THC. It's a key and a lock. But there's not much else that can mimic THC. It's a very unique substance to be able to interact with your body. That's interesting. Yeah. I had actually seen that in some of your posts and I mm. had not heard of that before in terms of that being, um, you know, internal and in you know, have this mechanism. Yeah, so it, yeah. it, it does make sense that there's a lot of things unknown about the body. Mm. And you think about, you know, biological nature of things and mm. how things came to be. Yeah. Um, we don't know everything. So. No, we really don't. No. Um, and there's, I paid attention to when the U.S. was uh, really getting on, onto the CBD oil mm. uh, or CBD as a, I, it was just much more accepted um, and it has benefits to it. Um, and it's not, it's not a high feeling. It's more of a, um, a wellness feeling mm. probably. Is that have you tried it yourself? I've never tried CBD oil. I don't no, know. I haven't tried it myself. But that's like new age because CBD's just come out now, and it's like to the people, power to the people because it's been advertised in the right way. It's just been it's been advertised in the right way, so people know the benefits of it. Whereas the cannabis plant has always been put down, so now people are realizing what what's good for them. Mm -hmm. I should try CBD though. Okay. Yeah. Um, but when you say there's a dispensary in Melbourne, is that, it sounds almost like, a, is that an actual shop or is it a... So it's not a dispensary in the sense that you would think of a dispensary as like American or Canada dispensary. It's still a pharmaceutical way to get it. So you still have to have a prescription and you have to go in there and you have to fulfill your prescription. But it's Australia's first natural alternative pharmaceutical. So they give you all of the natural plant-based botanical. It's not anything to do with synthesized chemicals or anything like that. It's all plant-based. Okay. Yeah. Part of the regulation, I can imagine, governments want to keep control of things. Um, it's good that they've got locally grown options. They're probably mm -hmm. keeping a close eye and partnering, working with them. But there is a, a criminal perspective to things and saying, mm -hmm. oh, and mm -hmm. on the media, there'll be like a drug bust of the week. Um, yeah. And and there'll be, if I'm not mistaken, there'll be marijuana. Yeah, of course. Right? Yeah. And those yeah. are basically illegal grow ups. Would that be what that yeah, is? Yeah, that would be illegal grow ups. Yeah, because these, um, the facilities that they use, they have to be very, very high on security. Yeah. And uh, they have to be hidden. Like you can't know where they are. So no one will ever know where they are because even with people who were growing hemp out in northern New South Wales were getting their plants taken because people were thinking it was different things. Mm. So obviously they have to have all big signs up saying this is non-psychoactive. You're not going to be able to get high off of this if you steal it. So mm. you still have that criminal activity like in any industry. But like obviously there is a more clinically 
right way to go for it at the moment. And we're so lucky to have that in Australia because we've never had that before. Yeah, it's mm. um, it's a fascinating area. Mm. I, and I think a lot of people are interested in the criminality and, you know, the oh, for sure. it's a sensationalist. But even the, in the in the media side of things or in the even the movies and film and the, there's a great, you maybe probably watched Underbelly uh, over yeah, the years. Yeah. And uh, so again, for so people listening in, it's a um, fairly well, well-established uh, series and it's uh, they've done a few cracks at mm. it, but it highlights the, the underbelly and maybe the old days of Australia, mm-hmm. but it's more modern takes on, you know, just what people are doing. Mm-hmm. And marijuana was part of it, you know, drug busts and things, but then you see that exactly right. You, they're growing, they have these remote grow grow ups, but in the fields that you yep. hard to detect. Yeah. But yep. then they, you know, have aerial shots and mm. um, look it up for that. So we have some sophistication to to crack down on that. Yes. So, um, what about the dark market or anything like negative? Is, is there is there outside marijuana coming into the country that you're aware of? Like in terms of, um, it's mainly obviously your mission is is on the medical side of things. But mm-hmm. do you see things happening that are hurting your cause like people are just oh for sure (laughs) yeah for sure because like what I said earlier when I come into the studio because I was new to Instagram because I'm the old duck I'm the old person I just couldn't believe what I was getting sent do you want to buy this do you want to have like hit me one more time on this bong sorry I don't want to do that I want to talk as I feel knowledge is power because I've been brought up my whole life being told that it's a gateway drug to something harder and now I've watched so many documentaries on it's a gateway drug to get you off of opioids. So I just feel like me personally, as a 51, 52-year-old woman, I've been given the wrong information my whole life. I wonder about how much of it is um, maybe how it's used. So I'm just thinking, obviously, the smoking it is how I was how I was. That's heard, how we all it, think that it think is. Think of it, right? Yeah. But is there a line where it's like okay, smoking it? Maybe there is med- mis- medicinal parts to that. You've got glaucoma. You want to yeah. ease, ease pressure. Smoking it will help. Mm. Um, but so is there another method of delivery like eating it mm. or oils or creams? Yeah, oils, creams, hash, brown, hash cookies. There's lots of other ways. But obviously the right way to do it is to get in touch with the doctor and they will take out the right way to consume it for yourself because... Like we say, we're not medical people. We're just giving information out about the benefits of the plant. So obviously there's the real medical. And it really depends on like how you tolerate weed because everyone else has different metabolisms and you have a metabolism for THC and you have a metabolism for CBD. So everyone has that metabolism and some people's metabolism runs through THC a lot quicker than other people's metabolism and the same with CBD. So there's not sort of, you can't really say here is one serving of weed and this will cure you because you have to really look at the physiology and then work out what administration method is right for you because someone might be right with CBD oil, but then someone really might enjoy an edible or someone, because when we're getting released in February 2021, we're allowed to buy over-the-counter CBD and that's getting released in a pill format. That's not in oil. So that will be in a pill format, in a 30-day pill format when it gets released eventually. So there is so many different methods. You're just We're just going to have to find out the right one that interacts with your body, just like every medication, just like every drug, mm-hmm. just like coffee, just like coke, just like everything. So you have to find out how it works for you and you pick your right option because there is so many different ways of administration. Mm. Well, it's interesting to get you on now in this, like this time, if you're really mm-hmm. saying 2021, because mm-hmm. um, like you said, it would have been a long time coming to get to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we just had a chance to connect with you and, and hear from you and other people are then having a look inside Australia, that's the whole idea here is to give mm-hmm. people a look in. So uh, interesting 
where this is headed. Yeah, um, exactly. The only bad thing is that as of February 2021, we are legally allowed to buy over-the-counter access to CBD without a prescription. So you can go into the pharmacy, they might write your name and take your driver's license down, but you can buy a month's worth of CBD for yourself without prescription, without no barriers. The only thing is, at the moment, the TGA, the Therapeutic Goods Administration in Australia, don't actually have any applications for over-the-counter CBD. So in February 2021, there's a gap there for something to be released, but we don't know if we will see something over-the-counter yet because of the approval process with the TGA and someone actually bringing it to Australia. So it's legal. It might not be there. That's the thing. That's the thing that we're battling with at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, interesting. Uh, I know, again... It- Highlighting some things about Australia, they've got um, they've got shows and they've got border control. But I think they they show that <laughs> overseas, so people might be able to look that one up. They're always highlighting people trying to put it in their suitcase and so on. <laughs> um, that's still illegal, if I understand. Yes, yes, you're, not, you're not to be yes, moving it around. No, it's not. Yes. It's not Canada. <laughs> uh, even then, I'm I'm sure that uh, you're not to be taken across borders of countries via U.S. I, I'm not sure of up to date on laws, but again, people can comment on that. Um, but in Australia, to, to to be walking around on the street, do we know about the decriminalization of it? So if you were to have possession of a certain amount? Yeah, well, um, in the ACT, you're allowed to have 56 grams on you legally and you're allowed to grow two plants legally as a recreational benefit. But here we're not allowed to possess any without a prescription okay. legally. So ACT yeah. is Canberra. It's ACT like the, is Yeah, it's a very yeah. small population probably. Yeah. New South Wales are moving small. towards, hopefully, making it more recreational legalized. But... We're not sure yet. That's not like that's not solid. Don't take that and go and walk yeah. around in New South Wales <laughs> with stuff on you. No, but we'll try. They're trying because obviously Australian Capital Territory is in territory inside of New South Wales. The borders are inside of the state, so yeah. New South Wales do have a little bit more progressive laws to do with it as well. Like and a lot more clinical trials go on in New South Wales for the like research because that's what we need. We need more research to be able to say to the doctors this works because if we don't have the research, we can't have the proof. I like that you said that because I was picturing when you were describing that doctors could prescribe it. I'm thinking if you went, I went to my local GP and said, um, you know, I, you can angle for it and say, you know, come in prepared as a patient. But do you think the the practitioner would actually feel comfortable recommending it? Or are they educated enough to say, oh, well, we've got access to marijuana, you might want, or I shouldn't say marijuana, cannabis. Mm. Uh, do you think doctors are ready to start prescribing it? Yes. Okay. Because you can just ask to be referred to a medical cannabis doctor. They have to have specialised training in cannabis. Okay. So it's not just a normal doctor. They take a specialised course as a doctor to be a medicinal cannabis doctor. But we are connected with quite a few doctors on Instagram that are purely for that. So there is ways and means that you can find a doctor where you could feel comfortable talking to it. So it would be a, it would be a, medi- a recognised doctor, the clinically yes. medical doctor, yep. that they happen to have a certification yeah, or a specialty yeah. to be informed and i think that's a good thing yes uh and so there's a program is that part of your outreach uh, obviously there would be a professional uh outreach is there where are they getting their information from who's running these kind of um doctor related information is it there would be university the universities that run the course on top so you do your like your postgraduate degree and you you do it after your graduate degree so yeah. you do a postgraduate degree and you put it on top and it's sort of like a 6 to 12 month course that they put on top and they have to go through that there is so much information for it they've taken um well they've not taken it out but they've never actually included the endocannabinoid system in medical school because mm-hmm. there's not enough room for it apparently in the course so obviously it was only found in 1992 the same year that I was born so obviously the times have got to change so we can learn about this cuz 
is part of our body. Like that's mm. what that's what I'm trying to promote. Like that's what's got to be learned, and that's what these doctors are learning in this university course because it's not in the normal one. All right. Yeah. That's that's super eye opening. I think, mm. and uh, like some of the things we try to ho- highlight are opportunities and you know maybe gaps where people can get involved or make a difference and this kind of thing. Mm. So that's one where there might be some doctors going through, and I think perhaps I should take this on and just be informed. And uh, mm. if that's the way. There's an area to help people in new ways. That could be definitely it. And we find as well, me and Molly, we we really wanted to just give knowledge because knowledge is power. We wanted to do a course because myself, I just wanted to do a course on cannabis, marijuana, just to say that I had the certificate because in Australia, certificates are everything. There's no actual formal education that people can do around the plant. So you did a course? No, there's, there isn't oh, one, Scott. There's okay. nothing. All you right. have to go to America or you have to go to Canada if you want to get like a TAFE course on this plant. We have tried so hard, but we're going to end up getting an online course from America, but nobody's going to recognise in Australia. Yeah. So we've even thought ourselves of running a recognised RTA course on all the information that we've learned to give the right information out to people because there's a lot of wrong information going out there to people at the moment. Okay. Well, there you go. Well, and that's an important point. There's a lot of tools that you could actually create your own Mm -hmm. content and then maybe it needs to be run through the Australian system to Mm -hmm. get approved. To get approved just so that there's the right information being sent out there because everybody's having the same problem like with Instagram, like as soon as you put in anything like the slang names, what you come up with is, oh, this made my eyes pop out of my head some of the things I've seen yeah I like that uh, you brought up some of the the different parts of Australia you mentioned you know Canberra and ACT where you know it's you can you can have possession of it Mm -hmm. Um, New South Wales has a different feel Queensland so you're recently in Queensland like how long have you been here We've been in Queensland for t- nearly two years, and we was in Perth for fifteen years. So Perth, Perth from good old WA. Yeah, yeah. And is there a different feel? Like oh, I can't, I can't even explain the difference here tell, tell, in tell the me. Goldie to Perth. Tell the people, the listeners out there, like the, the feel again. People, I, I've travelled to Perth, so I, I get an idea. But you've lived there for a long time. Long time. What's the difference? Obviously, coming from London and then going to Perth, the whole of Perth is like a small country town. Because I love Perth, it's beautiful, but there's not, the population is so small. So when you come to the Gold Coast or to Brisbane, there's more people, there's a lot more international people. So everybody's views are different. They have different views because they've been subject to a bigger, wider world. Whereas a lot of people in Perth haven't even left the state because it's so expensive to leave the state. It's, yeah. Yeah, I was almost, I was almost clinically depressed in Western Australia because of the isolation. I feel because it is the most isolated city in the world, you honestly do feel that there. There would be times where I would sit on the beach and it would be five hours and I wouldn't see a person. And that really scared me. As much as that sounds lovely for someone as like an island holiday and you're out in the Pacific, like the Indian Ocean by yourself, lovely. But it's actually quite scary because there's no eyewitnesses to anything. So if I got taken, there would never be anyone to see me get taken. There wasn't much of a young person scene. Everyone was retiring. So it was just very like um, sort of a family vibe, like in Perth. like And especially we were from 60 kilometers south of Perth. So it was sort of a country town and it was very, very boring. <laughs> <laughs> very isolated and very boring and very windy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, the, and you had been there till like early twenties, right? So mm-hmm. ish or mid twenties yeah. even. So, um, you know, and just to paint the picture, uh, they with the whole border restrictions of traveling with uh, with what's going on, 
they've taken they continually take a hard line. Oh, don't. Uh, and everyone has a, a, an opinion on it, but um, yeah, they're pretty clear that, that they're going to shut shut them down. Sure be, but the West Australian citizens love that. They yeah. really support yeah, like that. They're very. Um, I used to call them tunnel vision, narrow minded, can't quite see peripherally because because that it's like it serves us and it serves us only. But it doesn't serve the country because there's a lot of people who need to get into that state. It's not just because we're a country. We're not divided states. We should be one whole. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of people could relate in the sense that they're, they may be born and raised somewhere and then you get opportunity or enough's enough and you decide I'm, we're going we're mm. to go and do something different. So you would have made that call. Yeah. Um, whose call was that? Um, I started traveling and I got really, really depressed around Perth and I come here one year and I just come back and I was like, mum, I have to move there. If you want to come, I think you'll be a lot happier there too. So mum sold her house and we moved together. Wow. Sold your house. But we come here from London when Molly was 12. Mm. So we come for a holiday first and I did think, what is this place? It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. There's people just on the beach. It's just, it's just so happy, obviously, coming from London that is all dull. And, uh, concrete jungle. Concrete yeah. jungle. And then I chose Perth because it was cheaper. Uh, uh, okay. Computer should have said no to me because mm. the Gold Coast is the best place in the world. Mm. Wow. All right. So you're happy being where you are now. Oh, oh, yeah. Um, and you mentioned, uh, obviously, you've got, you're tying on lots of things here. There's lifestyle, so you're probably living yeah. a comfortable mm-hmm. life. Um, actually, how how is your regu- regular life? What do you do every day? Um, well, we just like at the moment, we're obviously researching for the page and promoting that. But we do yoga. We keep ourselves aligned by walking a lot. We do trades on the stock market. We research cryptocurrency. So we do a lot of things. We keep our minds very active. Like um, I've always had a sort of thing inside my body where I'm like, I just always want to be learning. So we're always learning about a new subject. Like maybe it's physics, maybe it's astronomy. We're always learning something new. But to have a partner to learn with is just 10 times better because you can say your ideas out loud. It can get put back at you and then you can see if it's the right one. And mum's the best researcher ever. So she'll research and I can like, get all the information in and put it out. So, yeah, we're together pretty much every day, but we keep ourselves very busy. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then just on the cannabis front, is there something that you take on the daily? Like is it, uh, you know, is it still with skin cream? Yeah, or- we're not medically prescribed cannabis at the moment, but I use hemp oil in my everyday life. I ingest it. We eat hemp seed. Um, I put it all over my body. I do baths in it. Like I make um, like skincare. Make skincare out. I make everything out of hemp oil. I have one in my bag at the moment, actually, because I carry it around with me. Because if I get if my skin gets dry, it's just there. You go. You got your oil. Like yeah. so, it is something that I carry with me every single day. And we're quite close to uh, Byron Bay, yeah, which is in northern New South Wales, just on the border, and it's probably an hour and a half from here. Mm-hmm. So, um, is there something special about that place related to the lifestyle or a bit of the the free spirit living? It just feels, Byron Bay just feels amazing whenever we go down there. And it's actually built on Rose Quartz Energy, Byron Bay. It's just, yeah, it's just the most amazing place to be. The energy there is is just great. We often take days out down there, me and Molly, because all I ever try to say to her is, because obviously everybody in life gets confused. And all I keep saying is knowledge is power. If we keep learning, because... Molly and myself, we don't want to sell stuff. There's enough stuff, as it's called, in the world. So we're trying to be conscious entrepreneurs because we don't want to con anybody. And if we buy something off the internet to sell it to the next Joe Blogs, we're making 20 bucks off of you. And that's not what we're about. 
And so I'm trying to teach my daughter that it's just information, information, and hopefully the right thing will come for us out of that. Because like the world does work on a lot of privy to information. Like in the case of like Aaron Swartz, you have the internet's own boy. He created the RSS feed and he downloaded 4.5 million journals from MIT and got federally prosecuted because of that. And I just believe information should be free. Why should it be if you only if you go to this university, you can see this scholarly article unless you have $70 to pay for it. The information should be there for everyone to see because my brain is no different to your brain. My brain's not more privileged than your brain to receive this information. It should be worldwide knowledge. It shouldn't just be I make money off of the knowledge that I provide because that's where we've got to this place where no one knows about stuff in the first place. We need to be everyone has to have it. It can't just be one person has it because then we don't evolve as a conscious community. We evolve as one, whereas evolving together is different. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned it. We chatted about that before, but the idea of conscious entrepreneurship mm. or conscious entrepreneurship, I hadn't heard of that before. Um, is that something that you feel it just comes naturally for you or had you seen that from some other instance? That was just a word I made up before. <laughs> and it was just, I think it's just because mum and I have talked so heavily about being conscious and having moral ground and having a moral compass. And it is great to empower people by having their own business, but you're also empowering people to make money off of other people. So it's sort of like con artistry. And it's sort of, in a way, I love making people feel good about themselves and saying that you can do this and you can earn your own income. But then I think, what about the person that bought their product? They're not earning their own income, but they've worked a very long time to support this person. So it's still creating the class structure that we kind of want to get rid of. Yeah. This is getting good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this is meant to be a bit of fun. I really appreciate yeah, you yeah. helping share this kind of stuff because, um, again, it is information. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, these kind of platforms generally are, are free. And if, mm. if it, and if this one doesn't get views on Facebook, well, we're going to make find another way to get it yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, the YouTube or you go direct. You know, we'll we, just keep on talking. You know, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. But these are channels and it's just to empower people to know, like, who's in charge here. Um, what do you think is the best way to reach people or control the flow of information. So is it is it having your own website and that way you, at least you own that own space or even that, is that at risk of being buried somewhere? I think the website is a more like solid way of going forward and that's what I'm working on at the moment. I'm working on our website because um, Instagram and Facebook can just be shut down with the shadow bands and the red flags that go up around it. But it, to me, physically, like you have to get out on the street, you have to like talk to people, you have to have these interviews, you have to talk and vocalise what you mean because sometimes black and white on a piece of paper, it doesn't really resonate with people. You're not planting the right seed. Whereas why, like that's why I love having mum with me because she's able to explain it in such a layman way that the everyday Joe blogs can understand. Whereas I read for a scholarly article and there's not many people that could understand what that said. You know, until you like get the like the biography and you just explain it in a layman's way. So that's what we're trying to aim for. Yeah. Yeah. It's a challenge if people don't have the attention span. No, exactly. Yeah. So you need a TikTok video of like how to use CVD. <laughs> yeah. So we've tried that. Yeah. <laughs> have you tried it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's good. I like to hear that you're, you're um, trying because I feel like you can, you can discover little patches that they haven't blocked off yet. Mm -hmm. So that's your chance to sprint. And so like, I guess it's just networking, like hard networking and just trying to get out what we believe in and all the information that we've provided and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Without being stoner people. Yeah, exactly. Being classed as that because we're not that. I'm just an educated woman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, and like you said, there's a sort of a, uh, what, what's the general vibe out there like is it a 
do you fight a daily battle with negativity on this? Or is it generally you surround yourself with people that are supportive and then that's just a good world to be in as well? Well, we surround ourselves. We were on LinkedIn a lot. So obviously in the USA and in Canada, the the outlook on marijuana is so completely different to Australia. So even myself, three or four years ago, I didn't think it was bad because I was posting on LinkedIn and we've got 15,000 connections on LinkedIn. It was just a great way. But then when I went onto Instagram, it was like, whoa, what's going on here, babe? Molly, what's happening? It's just so been taken a different way in Australia. So I feel that we need to get the knowledge out there a little bit better than what it is. And I'm not quite sure how we do that. But we do face negativity because there is still a stigma in Australia against it's not only just smoking it, it's even just using it as a medicine. Like people don't, people would disregard it because they think, oh, it's just pseudoscience, pseudoscience. But it's not pseudoscience. It's actually been scientifically proven we have a system inside of our body. So there's got to be a shift in the information that's provided because there is not the correct information out there. And that's why we face that negativity because I constantly get asked if you can get high from him. And that's just re- like, because I've done so much research in my mind, it's like ridiculous to think that you could get high from him, but they're just learning their journey. So we have to explain to them from the very, very start, what happens with this plant and how it interacts with your body. It's so different. Like mm. It's so much, it's complex, very complex. Well, it's good that you mentioned that there is other, you know, networks that are maybe a little bit more, is it progressive or they're just further ahead in time, basically, you know, uh, Mm. the US, Canada, they've done their thing. I remember times when over there that would have been, um, you know, same thing. Same thing. Look at you funny. You talk about it in in high school when I grew up, people are like, oh, there'd be the radicalists. They'd be like, oh, well, you know, let's vote for the the medical marijuana party. (laughs) And people are like, are you real? Now, um, and there'd be sort of this uh, group that people would, they'd be, they keep at it though. Yeah. And eventually, amazing that it finally did take place. And now people are going to, it's got that sim- similar Amsterdam feel from what I understand. I haven't mm. been back to But that's still like 30 it. years, like 20, 30 years down the line. Even my son, his name's Sonny and he's 13. He said, please don't show my friends your page, mum. I went, what? What do you mean for now? I'm trying to and get that stickers. That almost made me give it up because yes. he's my little brother, and I didn't want him and his friends to feel a certain way about me and what I do. But I kept on going with it because that's what I'm here for—to advocate destigmatizing it. So if I gave it up, I'm just giving in to all the pressure. So I kept uh, on doing it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I really like to see that there's a continuing you know effort, and it's there's two of you, so that mm-hmm. helps. I think. Does it help having two people on it and rather than one? I don't know how one person does it on their own. I really don't because Molly does all the posts and puts everything up and then I might be making the dinner and I'll have a quick hashtag in there. Mm. Whereas a lot of businesses will be having a dedicated person just to do this. But even like they might even not just have one dedicated person. A lot of Instagrams and marketing will hire a content writer, um, like a digital marketer, a logo designer, a website designer. But we do that all ourselves. Like that's something that I take on myself because I like to have the feel that me and mum can talk to all the audience and it's still a personal connection. You're not talking to a bot. You're not yeah. talking to some random. It's still a personal connection with us too. Like it, it's when we're never going to leave that because I like having the connection with the community and I will never hand that over because I have trust issues. <laughs> <laughs> I have huge trust issues maybe. Yeah. That sounds like an entrepreneur thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
uh, you know, the th one thing that comes to mind is an element of like activism and just, you know, being like, do you find yourself being activists in other areas? Like, you know, save the whales or, you know, I don't, don't want to be cliche, mm. but are there other areas that you're passionate about? I save it in my heart because people who go out and be activists, I find that you, you're always on the backbone of everything. If you have it in your heart, what you, I'm a vegan, but well, no one vegans, would really yeah. believe that I'm a vegan. What my friends say, I didn't know you was a vegan, Kate. I don't need to tell you that I'm a vegan because it's in my heart. So if there's something that I'm really specific about, I will mention it, but I don't want to get into any arguments or any fights with anybody about anything. And that's what activism causes. Well, I always, I always say like, um, I don't know because no one knows anything. Like literally nobody knows anything because it's all opinion based because nothing is really, really proven if you think about it in like physics, because Albert Einstein's theory could be completely wrong. We don't know. It could be wrong. Like there is a minute little thing that could be wrong. So I don't really know. So if you go into like life with sort of like that outlook as I don't know, you end up getting a lot more pieces of information without saying like, I know, like, obviously I'm a very sustainable person. I love the environment. I like, I hate rubbish and all that jazz. And there is a big debate on climate change. Like, is it a hoax? Is it real? Like, blah, blah, blah. But I always say to people, like my sort of like one sentence is, yeah, well, if climate change is real or not, obviously that's bad, but we don't want to live in squalor, do we? Don't throw your rubbish on the floor. Like, we don't want to live in a dirty place. We want to live in a place where we can look around and it's clean. Like, the people in Thailand, it might be hotter in Thailand, but they don't want rubbish in their seas. They want the rubbish out of their seas. So at the brunt of it all, there's always a reason to be a more conscious person, even if it's not for climate, even if it's not for anything else. You can always give yourself a reason to be more conscious. So, like, you kind of have to, like, not argue with people, just give them slight, like, little nudges and slight little, like, sentences. And then that sort of seems to work better for us, like, one word sentences and then just sort of leave it and go because the battle doesn't ever get you anywhere with people who have, like, their mindset in that way. So, yeah, we get into all different spiritual things as well, yeah. We have, like, a vast range of, like, things that we like to learn about. That's it. Yeah. Um, you know, I imagine that, that is going to be a concept that's going to resonate with a mm. lot of people, being conscious, uh, being an entrepreneur. I mean, we chatted a little bit before about how people spend their lives and how people get caught up doing different things. Um, you know, people have, like it, maybe in Perth where you were, it's where like, um, people are working a certain amount of hours per week and so on. Um, what, uh, maybe just recap that right, for okay. us. Right. What's so your the, feeling? The way that I've been trying to bring up my children is, is we, I call it the 40-40. You don't want to work for 40 hours a week for 40 years and be retired for five years. The balance to myself, Scott, is off. It's wrong because you work so many hours of your life just to put food on your table. So that's where we're struggling with a little bit at the moment with being conscious entrepreneurs because we don't want to con anybody. So that's why we're just doing a free the leaf information page at the moment. Wow. And what's meant to be will be, and some luck is going to come to my beautiful Molly's way because she's amazing. Mm. I mean, that's su it's super interesting that there's a generational aspect. So again, mother, daughter, and you've got other kids as well? I've got two other children, yeah. Um, are they, and, and you would have had, is it a feeling that you discovered this? Like, have you always had it? Or, or when you came to Australia, you realized that um, there's maybe just it, the spark was there? Or have you always had this feeling? No, it's Australia. Okay. Because it's so beautiful. So there's so much to see and do that why do you want to be spending 40 hours a week? Like I used to work in a bank 
why would I want to work in a bank anymore? I can't go out that door. I can't, can't get out into the fresh air. So isn't that interesting? So and people listening in possibly for probably from overseas and they're hearing yeah. what life might be like here and it's so foreign as you can oh. imagine. You might not know yeah. what. Uh, you know, Sweden is like, for example, yeah, no, exactly. and you're listening yeah. and you're like, oh, that's fascinating. What's the fabric of society? Yeah. So imagine that context. Um, and I can imagine that you have an appreciation because you knew of another way. You yeah. know, you're here. You can see what life's in front of you. Yeah. And the trade-off is uh, more of like a shock. It's like, how can I justify putting being at work for 40 hours being inside with no daylight when I've got a beautiful mm -hmm. scenery outside? Yes. Uh, that, yeah, and I just knew there was more to life as well. So that's why we started another business in Perth, which was construction cleaning, which ended us being owed a hell of a lot of money because we didn't get paid. Wow. Okay. So there's some entrepreneurship stories even within this. Oh, so, uh, yeah. Got, yeah. So was that out of necessity? So you you would have come to the country, settled in, and you worked in the bank? I worked in here? a bank until up until we decided to open our construction cleaning company because I knew there was a market for that there because Australia's being built up at the moment. So I knew there was a big opening and we kind of just took over Perth. We were seven girls. We wore pink construction tops and went on to every site in Perth. and Cleaned police stations, cleaned hospitals, cleaned schools, cleaned like 11-storey apartments, the State Administrative Tribunal. Yes. So we just like, and as much as it like, it is like it's because we were like women in the industry. It was different. It was something new that they never had before. Pink hard hats, pink socks, like a bunch of girls who were 23 and I hired all of my friends. So <laughs> we had the market down packed and it didn't fulfill me in the way that I thought it would. Like when I first started the business, I remember saying to mum, like I've never had this much money in my bank account, but it doesn't make me happy. So you have to find what fulfills you and your soul rather than just money and greed, because that's when you kind of not really live in an existence that's worth anything i don't think that's interesting i'm glad you mentioned that because mm. i'd be i think one of the questions would be would it was that a misstep and that you'd rather have been doing something different looking back or you think that helped you get just under an understanding and then you were in a better place to to do what you're doing now yeah because i always say to mum like i am so appreciative for our cleaning company because it taught me all of the <laughs> things that i know today but like i wouldn't want to do it again because of the power trip, the competition, and it wasn't something that was fulfilling my soul. It was just a thing to earn money. And I don't really understand the power trip and the egotistical nature of a lot of men on site. It was really hard to deal with as a woman in industry because I know you have a lot of like empowerment and they hire women in construction, but that's not in real life. Like if you go to a construction <laughs> site and you have 60 men and you have six girls, there is a very, very vast difference in like how one group of people feels and how the other group of people feels. Yeah. Be an interesting... <laughs> Completely. Yeah, and it might be worth mentioning just the thread of that you know, again, on the social fabric of things, like, again, people are not necessarily aware of the Australian landscape, but is there a, uh, like, a gender bias or things that are obvious? Like, you maybe experienced, you've got a women's cleaning company and you're going into a men's maybe dominated well, industry. Yeah. Um, was that, was it clever in the sense that you could build the business well, or was it almost, like, not not seen as, like, what are you doing? Like, this is not appropriate. It was easy. Easy. It was easy. So we it was it was very easy because it just went to show that sex sells because Molly was 23 at the time and we had me and my friend who was the super, my friend was 45 and I was 48 and the rest of the girls was under 25. Can you imagine taking seven girls who are under the age of 25 to a construction site? We got the contract every time. We got the contract every time. So what I'd do is stand out the back of the van, send all the young girls in, ask who the supervisor was, then in I go, 
oh yeah, we'll start you next week. Wow. And but, you, you knew exactly what you were doing. We knew how to win it, but then getting in there was just crazy because none of the men listened. No one. No one listened. Nobody. The supervisors wouldn't listen and it was just I got shouted at quite a couple of times and at the time I was like 24 and it was a guy who was 45 plus standing over me pointing at me because I'd developed an app to try and like tick off jobs and then I'd showed him and he told me that I couldn't use that and there was nothing to do with him that I couldn't use it. it was my business so I could use it but he was over me shouting at me and pointing at me and all the other men on site was like that was inappropriate but obviously because he was used to so many men being around he just treated me like one of them whereas like he should have had that respect because I was a woman or you should have that respect for people in general because you don't talk to people like that because it's morally wrong you know like yeah that's a, yeah. that's a pretty vivid experience yeah, I'm sure you remember yeah, it clearly yeah, like, yeah I would have expected respect for even mm. just the entrepreneurial aspect exactly yeah, knowing yeah. Yeah especially who you are, you know, employees are perhaps different than the owners mm. or the founders mm. in terms of their, you know, the stature, the, yeah. stature and who mm. came up with the idea and mm. made this happen. Um, in the end, it's helping people or mm -hmm. it's meant to be helping people. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's the same saying, isn't it? Treat the CEO the same as the janitor. Yeah, mm. literally, because that's what we, we, we worked for our business. So we went to work with the employees. We were never the bosses that oversee everything because we are a little bit, like we have a little bit of empathy in our body and maybe we feel a bit guilty, but we was constantly on site with everybody because we wanted to make it that common ground with everyone. Like the janitor is the same as a CEO. I may be the boss, but I'm also a cleaner. Like it doesn't matter. I take on every role because I'm not stuck to my director role because that's my, like I can recognize my privilege at home. I don't need everyone else to recognize my privilege. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. totally. I think for the first time we've come across uh, a story where there's multiple levels of entrepreneurship. Yeah. And I think you've, I feel like this is perhaps the highest order, you know, the conscious entrepreneur, because if you imagine people that are struggling in their day job, 40, mm -hmm. what is it? 40 on 40? Yeah. 40, 40, 40, 40, yeah. 40, 40 hours a week for 40 years. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm going to remember that. And that's, that is, that is the, the experience for that's a lot of people. That's the game of life. That is right. the game of life. And a um, lot of pressures. And I guess there is room for, Doing that for some people, as long as it's a conscious thing and there's a nice trade-off, let's acknowledge like they might yeah. just have the hours outside of work are are glorious. You know, they clock out and they're mm. at the beach and they're in the yeah. surfer, and that's that's definitely. But as long as it's a conscious thing, mm. it's the ones that are not conscious. That's that's that whole societal like you're just plugged in, right? And you're yeah. plugged in and you're not aware of. It's sort of like what keeping up do. with the Joneses because not many people actually know what they truly want. And that was one of the biggest pivotal things as when I gave up the last business, we asked each other, what do we actually want? What do we actually like? And not many of the population know what they truly enjoy. They don't do it as a career. And when I was traveling, I noticed a lot as well because I'd just given up the business and I was sort of in the bit in between of entrepreneurship, not really working on anything too hectic. I was just traveling. People ask me, what do you do for a living? And it's always that question. It's never like, what do you like? Like, I like painting, but you wouldn't want to ask me about that. You want to ask me if I want to go sit in a call center and I talk to 200 people a day. That's not an interesting conversation. There's so much more interesting stuff we can talk about, like physics, the planets. Like, there's so much more interesting stuff than your job every day because it's not what fulfills you. What fulfills you is your outside activities most of the time because not everyone's an entrepreneur and can do their passion every single day. And that's what I'd like to tell people is like, even if you can't afford to do that passion every day as a career, 
just try and find it, try and find that passion and do it a little part of your day. And it could become your career eventually. Like find what you like because no one really knows what they like. I didn't even know what I liked until like I started finding myself. Like a lot of people can't really put their finger on what you actually want except for materialistic things like a house, a car and a sort of like a husband, you know, like they can't really say what they want. That's amazing. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a, you're presenting that and it's uh I think people that are proactive can chase that down and, mm-hmm. and try to wake themselves up and realize, exactly. oh, you know, I'm not that happy and I'm frustrated and maybe I'm depressed or there's yeah. there's something that's not quite right. And I, a lot of the guests we're having on have had those moments. So yep. I think that's that. Where I come from, from a lot of the stuff is that, um, you know, the technology is a lot happening there. We may, we may not have a choice soon. There might not be people hiring for the 40 on 40. Yeah, 100%. Um, so what is people are staying at home on the dole and mm-hmm. unemployment and trying to and then we're, what are we talking to them about entrepreneurship? Like it's so scary, the cliff that yeah. it seems to be, you know, it's automation, it's robots yeah. and all that stuff. I find a really interesting topic of conversation to talk about is the universal basic income. Uh-huh. I talk about it a lot in the US and I, I think, absolutely across yeah, that. I feel like that's a really interesting subject to talk about because at the moment, what I just said previously to passion and stuff like that, people don't get to have the opportunity of that because we have a society that's based on money. So you have to earn money. You might not be able to find your passion if you don't have the money. So there's your privilege. So if everyone was given the basic income that they needed to feed themselves and house themselves, then we might get a little bit more creative with entrepreneurship, evolution, technology, like as a, like a community in the world, like as a civilization, like we might evolve. I followed yeah. the, uh, the Andrew Yang campaign pretty closely in yeah. the US. I absolutely yeah. followed it. I was just glued to everything. And that whole movement. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that it takes a while if you cracks at it before things oh, get yeah. taken up. So <laughs> stay tuned. It would be really hard because it's like a whole new way of living for the whole world if we introduce that. But um, but you got some yeah. pretty good backers, and, and it's the, actually it's people doing the technology that are most awake. They're, yeah, exactly. They're like, yeah, we are yeah. doing this. We're building <laughs> yeah. robot trucks. Yeah. Like in Silicon Valley and stuff like that. Even down to like with Frida Leaf, obviously that's medicinal marijuana. But I like focus a lot on like lots of natural medicines so psilocybin like the amount of like magic mushrooms that are being used in the u.s portland oregon has just legalized psilocybin for like medical treatment so it's a lot there's going to be a lot of destigmatization in the next decades to come for a lot of different plant-based medicines yeah what's your uh, feeling for the future like do you get good feeling from here on out just because it's going to be a spectacular chain of events well, I, feel. I do it's just patience yeah. a lot of patience you have yeah. to have a lot of patience because it's not instantaneous no way it's very it takes a long time for it to kind of but it will be there in my lifetime i hope so yeah mm. just to we'll be conscious of time and keeping you know we can probably have you back anytime to chat about yeah, things exactly. but um you just mentioned about the way things are here um we don't have a universal basic income. Um, there's been some government subsidies to help people through this, yeah. through this tough time for the years. Businesses mm-hmm. get some support. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel like they've been pretty organized, but maybe just the general feel. Uh, people that you know, um, are people unemployed? Are they looking for work? Is it uh, What's the balance of people out there at the moment? Well, my balance is there's a lot of casual people, but I, I can't talk about the rest of the world because I don't live in the rest of the world. But no, I just talk about Australia. There's a lot of casual employees, and I feel that you... A lot of Australia, you don't get a chance. You have to have a ticket or you have to have something else to work there. But my opinion is I'm actually worried what's going to happen after the JobKeeper because we have no international people. And as we all know, Australia is such a beautiful country, but we've not got a very big population. So we need to show the people, the international people, how beautiful this is. And yeah, people don't know the statistics. Like our um, country population is going to decline this year by 7%. 
Wow, Australia's okay. population is going to decline by 7% this year because of our international migration rates. Not a lot of people know that and like not a lot of people are taking time to think about where we're going to grab our economy from because we've got no international arrivals anymore. Whereas like there is only four countries last time I checked in the world where the citizens can't leave and that's and like no one can come in. It's Lithuania, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan and Australia. So wow. what do we have in common with them three countries? We're not like them countries at all. So the I'm so grateful that we're so safe, but it does scare me a little bit because we have such a low population with our economy. It does scare me. We have a huge amount of resources from mining, but that is not going to keep us afloat. That's not going to keep the everyday Joe blogs down the road like in a job, no, because the mining sector has its own thing going. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's right. So just to, just to you mentioned JobKeeper is a yeah. government program that uh, essentially it's a buy you better time. Employers get a uh, well, they get money, don't they? Too? A refund, yeah. or they get a you know they get money that you can then keep people on. So you're not yeah. the instinct is if you've lost customers as your business, you could hold off on firing people, yeah. but employ more people because they can we're employ going more to... people as well, and they can bring people on. Yeah. Okay, um, but that will stop, and now they're trying to transition out of that, and they're now. Now they're calling it temporary. It was always temporary. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're really choosing the words carefully. But mm. yeah, of course, any country can't pay for these kind of no, subsidies. On and that's what whatever. stops Molly and myself starting anything to sell anything because at the moment there's so many things within the cannabis industry that are being sold. There's like hemp straws, there's hemp T-shirts. Our friends have got a great new range out of hemp clothing. So do we want to add more stuff to that? Yeah, it's sort of like the other day I was just walking down um, the Esplanade near the beach where I live and I looked in front of me and there was three girls and they all had logos on their like workout shorts. But the workout shorts were the exact same design. One was Reebok, one was Lorna Jane and another one was another workout company. They were the exact same shorts. So if we just, I know it's very communistic to think like that, but if someone does a good product, we should just empower that product because it's a good product. Don't try and compete against it and put your logo on that product because the idea of business like there isn't anything new to create you can only better something else don't copy something else better it if you're going to do something make it better than the last one don't just copy it and put your logo on it just see what i mean we don't need that much mass production anymore in the world we have enough stuff since the industrial revolution there is like lots of stuff in the world like very lot of novelty stuff as well like it's amazing it's yeah it's mm. sustainability but in a, in a new way and i like yeah. that thread of conversation mm. it's but they call it sustainability but if anyone was to walk around their local shopping center how much clothes would we need for the rest of our lives like me personally i know i've got so many clothes in my wardrobe i don't need that extra top when i go to the shops so and you see something in the shop that'd be sold for 40 dollars, but the next day they'll have a sale and it's 12 dollars I don't really understand how that shop assistant working in there might have bought that top that day, but she's had to work three hours to get that top. Um, that's that's my opinion, though, and that's where and I that's think... And that's the conscious entrepreneurship, and that's how it comes into it because you have your empathetic body as well. So you have your guilt-conscious body that you don't want to con people anymore and you don't want to use psychology and marketing to make people want to buy that stuff because there is a lot of psychology used in marketing and 
as much as we don't even we are not even aware of it we have associations with things like certain sounds certain colors certain words certain catchphrases we have associations that make us buy them products and i feel like in the new age when we're shifting in sort of 2020 has been such a weird year and 2021 still weird but going to get better and clearer moving into the future i feel like we've just got to be more honest because trying to manipulate people to buy your product it just seems like a big con and i feel like the age of the con has to be over soon because otherwise we're not going to grow as a conscious collective together we're just going to grow apart because it's competition and it's like divide and conquer and it's what they always wanted yeah yeah Okay, it's been a great perspective. Mm. I think, um, again, for people just to think, you know, did everyone think like that? I mean, that's, that's a fresh <laughs> fresh perspective, and I definitely like that that's been put out there. So I give that an open invitation for anybody listening to jump onto that. Um, we'll try to keep the conversations going. And, um, yeah, look, we've covered a lot today. Yeah. Um, just in terms of next steps, and uh, we'll follow your journey from, say, like a year from now, um, do you think you'll be at a point where you've got um, either a bigger audience or how do you measure – or do you actually measure your progress? Is that something that you do in your life to know where you are? Or have we got another follower? Have it, we got another follower, Molly? More free have we got, you know, that, and then in the end, we just thought, let's just do it and see if we don't get, like, if we don't get any followers, it doesn't matter because we enjoy what we're doing. So, and the algorithm, I can't even say the word sometimes, the algorithm on some of these platforms is just so hard to get across yeah but this is a mission i get a sense this is a long-term mission like you found uh, a real and a space that mm. it's a very well, um, good contribution we maybe. normally work our lives a lot by like flow not force so if it ever feels like it's being forced you stop doing it so like you don't want to get sort of like like ambition is great but you don't want too much too much ambition because you've got to have a correct balance of everything so with the page we're just letting it flow at the moment i'm creating a website we have a plan we might release a digital magazine this year that's something that i'm looking to work on to like make us more serious but it is something that i will advocate for all of my life even if it doesn't become my career it's something that i'm very passionate about and so is mum and obviously she introduced me to the plant and i've just taken it and ran with it because it interested me like wholeheartedly so that's something that will be part of my life and I'll be an advocate for the plant all my life. But I'm an advocate for very many other things as well. So who knows where it's going to take us? Like it could be anywhere. All right. So if we were to point people in one place that they can keep track of things, we'll get our videos up. But mm -hmm. where can they follow you? Just on Instagram. If you um, search for Free the Leaf with the number three, that's um, where you'll find us. At the moment, I'm just working on the um, website. So we'll have that up and running very soon. But mm -hmm. our Instagram is like our biography. So you can go through there and... I look back on my old posts and I could spend 20 minutes just reading and learning myself. So it's not a quick thing. You kind of have to go through there. We're on LinkedIn as well. Like we have our joint LinkedIn. So we're Kate and Molly Richardson. We have quite a big following on there as well. Um, so you can find us via LinkedIn as well. Wonderful. Kate, thank you very much for coming. And Molly, thanks for coming. Really appreciate your perspective and uh, love to have you back anytime. Guys, um, add to the comments if you have anything to add. We'd love to monitor this thread of conversation. I find mm. it super fascinating. Thank Thanks, you very much. Scott. Thank you, Scott. It's All been right. wonderful. All right. It's Talk been such a pleasure. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Aussie Ambitions podcast. We appreciate your support and welcome your input. So if there is a topic that you would like to see covered, please let us know via our website, aussieambitions.com or any of our social media accounts. And please subscribe to receive all of our updates. We hope that you picked up some helpful tips helping you to get to where you want to go. And if you've got a story to tell and are able to come for a visit, definitely get in touch.